0: Welcome to Not Quite Right. My name is Ed. And I'm Amanda. Later on today's show, we will be reviewing my Get Wrecked recommendation, the movie Greener Grass. But first, we'll be talking about writing competitions and writing prompts. And later in the show, we have a very special announcement, so stick around for that. So Amanda, I think some congratulations are in order. Thank you. You made second in your group I think on the New York City I did. Midnight that's right. Competition.
1: Yep second in the second round and so that means I go on now to the final. So there's going to be 125 people in the final round and I've just received my prompts. I've got 24 hours and I'm spending a bunch of those hours here with you so <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> Time well spent. You're, you're going to help me so that's
0: Okay. Quick, well, do you want to to share your prompts with it? They've literally just come through. Yeah, they? they've
1: just come through. So the way it works, I've mentioned before, is that you're given a genre, you're given a word prompt and then an action prompt. Uh, but for the final round, the genre is open. So you can write whatever you want. It's just hmm. now a word prompt and an action prompt. Fine. So the word I have been given is blur and the action prompt is shushing. <laughs> Interesting, <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm taking as a personal criticism But anyway <laughs> No, shushing or shushing However you want to say it Is uh, an action that has to feature in the mm-hmm. story So I've got 250 words Which isn't much To feature both of those things
0: And um, do they allow variations on the word as well? So blur could be blurb or
1: Yeah, for sure So the rule is just that, that spelling yep. That word in its entire spelling must exist But it can exist within a longer yep. word for example Blur, blurring, blurb, blurt. Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. Any of those would be fine. And yes, I did Google that immediately. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: blurt and shushing go together.
1: They do. They do. So that's kind of easy in a way. But of course, when it's easy, sometimes that means unoriginal. So that's risky.
0: Well, that's right. And we wanted to talk a bit on this episode about our process for yeah. writing competitions because that's one of the the things that you have to consider is when you first see prompts and immediately a few things spring to mind. Mm they're not often the best things to go with because that is the same experience everyone has. That's right. And you're going to end up writing the same story that everyone wants to write.
1: And by extension, sometimes you think you're being clever, but Mm -hmm. actually everybody's having that exact same clever little thought and I think that's dangerous territory. So, yeah, you've got to be really careful not to veer into cliche or veer into like basically the first thought that you had. You can do that, but you kind of got to prove yourself then. You've got to be even better because you might be up against someone who's telling a very similar story. So tell me, what what's the first thing that you do when you get prompts for a competition?
0: So I sit down and basically look at the prompts mm-hmm. and see what springs to mind mm-hmm. and then just create like a list. And it's literally a brainstorm. Mm. And then once I have that list, then just break that down into more and more kind of related ideas. Yep. Sometimes even... You know, googling can help. Just just going on the internet and looking at pictures or something that's related, yeah. Um, just to get some inspiration. I think the first stage is really just get that inspiration, because a lot of the time for me, when you write a story, it has to be something that you personally like, feel that you connects do. with you. Yes, I agree. So, and often you have ideas that are ideas for a story, but aren't necessarily the story that you're you want to write mm. in that moment. So I think you you. Um, or at least I do, I kind of go through that list and, and try to develop ideas until I find one that grabs me in, a, in an emotional way somehow mm. that I really feel like, yes, I, I want to write that story.
1: That you feel like, yeah, you've got the energy to write. You can, yeah. You know, that you want to stick with it, that you can feel yourself bothering to write
0: and finish. That's right. And to be motivated about and not just have it be a chore. Yeah, that's well.
1: right. I mean, I know there's been plenty of times when we've gotten together for writing competitions um, to share and brainstorm together. And there are those times when either one of us or sometimes both have sort of said, I've got some ideas, but I just, I can't see myself actually Mm. writing it because I can't be bothered. And that's when you just haven't been grabbed enough by the idea. I would say I have a step that I do before all that, which is before I even have prompts or just in general, I have a, you know, notes app on my phone Mm. and if an idea springs to mind, a, a snippet of dialogue, just a quirky thing that interests me or what have you, Those go into the notes app so that what happens is when the prompts come along, I'm not jumping to the first conclusion necessarily. I had an idea already. For example, um, we did a Furious Fiction together where the prompt was caught. So you think, oh, okay, tennis court, and then you start going down that path, and a lot of people are having that same thought as you, uh, whereas I have ideas already that have nothing to do with the court and so I'm not as likely – to be butting heads with other people in that competition. They're less likely to have had the same idea as me. The challenge then is, of course, making court work in that context. Mm. But I do find it's helpful. It helps me avoid treading on other people's toes kind of thing in a
0: competition. Yeah, I think it's a really great idea and that's something that I always intend to do but I never actually (laughs) do, is um, really keep a a good log of all those random thoughts you get for ideas for stories or even just kind of scenes that you –
1: well, when it's flash fiction, that's all you need, right? Yeah. You only need just the smallest nugget of an idea. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a whole plot. You know, it's just a moment in time or what have you yeah. or an emotion that you want to explore. So that's what I do. And then I would say, like, when when I can, hang out with you. You know, yeah. we brainstorm together. I find that incredibly fun. So I just enjoy that anyway. But it's also a really good way of, like, just getting your ideas out mm. loud and thinking them through. We often have very different ideas, but we can add value to each other's ideas. You know, once someone starts going down a tangent, like what if, or what if you did this or, oh yeah, you could have a character that. Um, And it's just, it's just nice to, rather than just you and Google alone in a darkened room. It
0: can be nice
1: to have a bit of a tribe to go to, but that's a luxury, I guess, that not everyone has.
0: Yeah. And there have been times when we've gone together to write uh, in Furious Fiction and You know, sometimes we both do it and sometimes one of us does it and Mm -hmm. the other one doesn't. And it's not usually that we don't have have ideas. It's just that that one idea hasn't struck us Mm -hmm. yet. And sometimes it is a matter of actually just pushing through that. Yeah, for sure. And um, starting to write something you're only half interested in and then you get to a point where it actually does inspire you to to keep going. It's true.
1: You might write just one sentence that you like, and you think, okay, actually, I can yeah. latch on to that, and I've got got something tangible to hang on to now that will actually get me through this process mm. of of writing. I mean, sometimes you can have a great idea, but just aren't even really sure what angle to yeah. approach it, or the words just aren't coming to you, not able to express yourself um, or express your idea clearly enough. So that's a challenge as well. Um, I would say one good step. that initial piece of just looking at the prompts. A lot of people do this. I do it sometimes, not every time, but a a mind map. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you just have the words on the page and then you start to just branch out from that different ideas. A big thing that I do first, one of the very first things I do is Google the definition of the words, if it's a word prompt, to just see what that sparks. Um, Also, a big one I like to do is looking up idioms that Mm -hmm. include that word. So for example, the Furious Fiction prompts this time around, one of the words is bright. And so I might look up idioms with bright or phrases with bright and you get back things like bright and early or bright future or look on the bright side. And these phrases can sometimes spark Mm. things for me that the word alone doesn't. So I find that's a really helpful way to start kicking off ideas as well.
0: Yeah, I find for me as well, my experience with writing competitions has been very different each time. Mm. Like, I, I don't feel like it's a consistent experience. So sometimes, um, I think back to one we did where the prompt was actually an image prompt, mm-hmm. um, which was frustrating because either something comes or it doesn't. Yes. And we spent hours kind of working through the other prompts. Mm. And it wasn't until, you know, later on in the evening and I just had some sort of spark and I imagined... Something happening in that setting, in that, that setting, yeah. and from that came everything, like the voice and just the style and exactly what I was going to write. And it was easy for that then to move to the next step and actually write that story yeah. pretty quickly. Other times, I've had to be a lot more analytical and actually come up with well, one element of the story that um, comes to me from the prompts, then trying to just tease out, well, where do we go from there? We know the setting, say, well, what kind of characters have mm. we got? And then trying to 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 work through some sort of story and then which point of view am I telling this story from? And then what's the ending? Because you need some sort of hook or some sort yeah. of ending that is, is memorable in your mm. story. And it's much more of a a process, an analytical process, as opposed to kind of an inspired process. Yes, spark of inspiration.
1: I mean, that is hard with these comps because, you know, we've done many together now and there are just those times when it's just not coming. Mm. Uh, And there's other times when it's like you've just got all the enthusiasm in the world for this idea and you think it's hilarious and you're excited to write it. Um, But as you say, it's certainly if you commit, something always comes. And I've had times where I'm like, I'm not going to do that this weekend. Sorry, you're on Mm. your own next thing you know, I've written a full draft and, you know, and I end up entering it. And often for me, it's a case of like just being stoked to have entered, even if it's not my best work. And that's all it needs to be. You know, it's, they're short stories. You can usually get something on the page.
0: Yeah. And I find once I get started, even if it's just a paragraph or some sort of beginning, that is enough motivation to actually get all the way through. And I mean, with this New
1: York City Midnight Competition, it's literally like a paragraph Yeah. <laughs> a paragraph lots. so a few paragraphs, it's not much. So I know you've only just looked at your prompts. Yeah. Now, you've come up with
0: ideas ahead of time.
1: Yeah, so I was talking about it with my mom, and just coming up with some different ideas of things that interest me. And I happened to start putting some of those ideas down, jotting down some thoughts, jotting down some sentences on one that grabbed me. So I don't have a full story by any means right now, Um, but I have, you know how you were saying you might just write one sentence and that's enough? I feel like that's what I've got already, which is pretty cool Um, because it's not a lot of time. So I've got at least one sentence that'll be my way in. In this case, the difficulty is trying to convey something in such a short amount of time. Like you really, when it's microfiction, you just only have the tiniest little morsel there to work with and you've got to decide what that's going to be.
0: Yeah, you really need to evoke something in those 250 yes. words. Yeah, and this is the is final memorable. round. Like, you yeah. know,
1: other people are going to be coming out this pretty strong and I've got to stand out somehow. And what I'm doing and what I hope will work for me this time is really tapping into an emotion of my own, a personal real-life story, but just taking it next level, like just using that as the base and then going from there. So, yeah, personal trauma. So huge well of (laughs) creative ideas so hopefully that gets me through but you know I'm also not a huge fan of just writing like really sad stories just Mm. for the sake of tear-jerking I feel like that's a bit of a cop-out sometimes like I know a lot of the really beautiful emotive stories that you read in these competitions people who have won or shortlisted they often are quite sad and um, that's you know when it's done well it's amazing and can be very very impactful But I'm not a big fan of just like, oh, okay, let's kill off the dog just, (laughs) you know, just to stand out or whatever. Um, I think you can go any emotion and lean into it Mm. and it doesn't have to be sadness or despair.
0: So you did win Furious Fiction. Yeah. Yeah. Last year. August, August 21 it was. Yep. A date that's now burned into Oh,
1: yes, yeah, <laughs> forever burned.
0: Um, and that was a very, I guess, you know, it wasn't a sad story. No,
1: it wasn't. So that story was called the Screen and it was about a graphic designer who's in a Zoom meeting and uh, being asked to share some work that she's not done. And <laughs> it was just a comic piece but I would say that was tapping into a very real emotion of mine at the time, which was frustration. So, again, it's not despair. Um You know, the character's got my name. She's Mandy. And I'm not a graphic designer, but uh, I just put this character in a sort of very similar feeling situation to what I was in and I just went hard and I had fun with it. Um, You know, I made the client awful. That was definitely the villain of the piece and Mandy's the hero and it all worked out well for Mandy. So I do think there's something to be said for really tapping into true raw emotion Mm. and that people feel that when you do it because that story, in my view, like, I'm proud of it, but I didn't think it was anything special. And I'm sure other people who read that as the winning story that month thought to themselves, "Well, mine was better than that." And good for you if you did. I'd,
0: uh, you're probably right. Well, it's a, it's a universal experience. Everyone has a client or a customer or a boss that is overly demanding and doesn't, you know, doesn't understand what they're trying to achieve.
1: Yes, because the judges did give feedback on that. And one of the things they said was how relatable it was. Mm. And I, it was at a time, you know, it was 2021, 20, it's at a time when we're all in the middle of Zoom meetings all the time. Um, and that I thought that was risky because, you know, sometimes it can be like, oh, a bit boring. Like you're just, this is the universal experience right now. You're not adding anything new. So that's risky in that sense. But at the same time, you run a good chance of people getting it, you know. And I really did feel from the feedback of the judges on that occasion that they really were picking up what I was putting down. You know, they made some comments about the rule of threes and I had intentionally sort of leaned into that. Mm -hmm. And so to hear that feedback back is really nice to hear that someone understood what I was trying to do and that I was able to convey what I wanted to convey. So one of the other things I like to do when I get given these prompts is I like to really sort of pick one hero of the prompts and really lean into it. And often I'm trying to maybe make that not the most obvious mm-hmm. one. So, for example, in different writing competitions we've done, you might have gotten, say, three words that you had to include in a story plus a setting plus, you know, some rule about the format of your story. Now, the setting might be something really quite so – say the setting was the beach. Mm-hmm immediately you're kind of already there you know what i mean the beach becomes this prominent thing and it becomes a real focus of your story and you imagine there would be a lot of different stories set at you know sunrise on the beach or the beach with kids and sandcastles and this these kinds of images but what i would prefer to do is to take one of the random words and lean into that instead and let the beach just be a background piece and to not make that what inspires me in the first place and I feel like that's a way to sort of stand out as well so say if you know the word was blur in that instance I'd really lean into blur instead of the beach and just see where that took me so that's one thing that I I think is helpful if you're trying to be a little bit original stand out a little bit from a whole horde of entries that are all going to be about sunrise at the beach and Mm.
0: sandcastles you know a lot of the winning entries we've seen uh, go down that road and they Mm. don't do the most obvious idea, Mm. but there are the exceptions. There are also ones that, uh, kind of go with the obvious Mm. idea. The first thing that you would think of, but they they bring their unique spin to it or they just, um, or they're just really good 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 at it. And they've,
1: they've written something beautiful that is then a shared experience because we've all envisaged the beach and now you've written something that makes me feel like I'm there or what have you. That's, That can be, yeah, absolutely a standout. And if you can stand out in a field where it's now really obvious that you're way better than all of the other Mm. ones that talked about the beach, then maybe that's a good thing. You know, if you're confident in that, if you feel like your writing technique is amazing… And you have the capacity to win on that basis. That might be a good strategy for you.
0: Yeah. I think it's better to, if the prompt is a beach mm. and you've got a great story about a beach. You, yeah. Then you write that just story. Not, don't Absolutely. throw it out the window and yeah. think of something else.
1: No, for sure. Um, and this is what I'm saying. I mean, it's not that you shouldn't write about the beach. It's just a, a technique, I guess. If I'm feeling a bit sort of trapped in that, if I'm feeling like, oh, I feel like you're forcing me to write this mm. beach story that I don't want to write. Yep. Um, it's another way of doing it. And what I I think what I like about this as well is by leaning into a criterion that you've been given, I feel like that's respecting the competition and I don't yeah. know, I'm not a judge, but I feel like, you know, that's in the spirit of the competition and that's going to get you far too. You know, if you write a story where you've sort of buried all the prompts, mm-hmm. I mean maybe if it's a great story for sure, but I think it can be nice when you see and I see other people's stories Like you've just gone with that and that's pretty cool,
0: you know. Yeah, you don't want to just tick the boxes. That's right. It's right in the spirit of the competition, I think.
1: And it's also sort of showing your skill. You know, Mm -hmm. if you can be given a prompt and then just off the back of that alone come up with something great, then that's reflecting well on you as opposed to like forcing yourself upon the competition almost mm. like I know better than you and here's my story that's got nothing to do with any of the prompts.
0: And it also sounds like you pre-wrote the story and then yes, just tried to squeeze and jammed in. Jammed some... it in. But you know, we
1: talk often about burying the prompts and that mm. is something when you've been given a handful of prompts that Sometimes
0: you have to bury have one to. or two. Like, yeah. You wanna always... you wanna
1: bury the ones where, you know, you feel like it's gonna all sound so same same ish. Mm. Um, it's nice sometimes. You're quite proud of yourself. When I know when we've read each other's and it's like you have to actually go back and check and find them and I think that's a skill and it's a useful skill and it's a matter of you determining as the author of the story when that's appropriate and when it's more appropriate to lean in and what's going to result in a better outcome for you on that particular occasion. Another thing I would thoroughly recommend, apart from our brainstorming sessions, which I love, which are – wine-fueled and, you know, just basically devolve into chaos by the end of it. Um, But having a beta reader as well or six, you know, people who are willing to read your story, possibly in return for reading their story and offer some really honest feedback because I think that's essential, you know, because if you are putting something out there, especially in Flash where often you're losing some of the meaning because it's so short Mm -hmm. You need to know that your story still makes sense. And I think yeah. that's a very difficult thing to determine yourself. I think you really do need someone else to point out holes and point yeah, because out you, you've, points You've, of you've confusion.
0: sat there rereading what you've written. That's it. You know exactly what you're trying to say. Exactly. You're not looking for praise at mm. that point in the process. You're looking for someone to say, hey, what doesn't make sense? Yes. What doesn't work? Uh, because it's all fixable, especially in that short that's word That's right.
1: Time. That's right. And, you know… I'm always grateful when someone points out something to me that I didn't see myself because it gives you the opportunity. And even if you disagree, that's fine. But it's given you the opportunity to review it and think about it and decide, okay, am I prepared to take the risk that that's going to be misunderstood? Because if a judge is frustrated that they don't understand what you're saying, that's not going to bode well for how they receive your story.
0: Yeah, it's very uh, frustrating in microfiction, especially because you have to compromise often between um, clarity Mm. and actually getting across the story that you want to tell absolutely
1: and that's where I think the beta readers do help a lot because you can really just nut all that out and and it is yeah microfiction, 250 words I'm well aware that as I start editing it's making less and less sense yeah and you have to choose your words very carefully which I do but even so I end up with things and I'm like it's you're just gonna have to accept it's vague because I don't have the words to spare to Mm. explain that to you without losing something else that's important from my perspective in the story. So I find a lot of my microfiction ends up being a little bit mysterious because, you know, I can't fill in the blanks for you. You've got to do that yourself. And that's fun to me. I like that. But I have received negative feedback around that, not just from the judges, but from there's a forum for New York City Midnight. You can share your stories and other Contestants, you know, shared some feedback on my story, and people were like, "Oh, I would have liked to know a bit more about this, and would have liked this sort of thread to be wrapped up." And you're like, "Well, great, but like, where, how? Give me some words." You know, there's no, really no opportunity for that. But I, my preference is being sort of mysterious, and so yeah, I don't I think mind something that. To
0: that, I mean, it it leaves the reader with something to think about. Yeah, at the end of it, and that's right,
1: and to apply their own thoughts and feelings. Like that was the other interesting thing about the feedback I got. Some things, some real takeaways that just I didn't put in there. Mm. Like you came up with that, and that's cool. Like the reader coming up with their own meaning that I didn't insert.
0: Another one of the things that we do for Furious Fiction, and I think that's probably you, you mentioned earlier that we have – we drink a lot of wine and we come <laughs> up with a lot of ideas and usually I end up walking away from that with an idea and maybe a paragraph if mm. I'm lucky. <laughs> um, if I've
1: shut up long enough for you to be able to write a paragraph, <laughs> yeah.
0: So the, the idea of sleeping on it and um, writing it the next day, if uh, if that's an option, mm. and New York City Midnight is 24 hours. 24 hours, hours so but have
1: I it. have the – Advantage of being Aussie and getting a night to sleep on it. Yeah. But you're right. And even if you make a start on it but are able to then approach it with fresh eyes, maybe you just walk away, go walk the dog for two hours if we're talking about a – that's a long time to walk your (laughs) dog in hindsight. Take the dog for a walk or what have you um, to give yourself a break from the screen um, to come back to it later can give you a fresh perspective. I think one thing that's important to remember too is that it's very hard to be objective. So what's funny about the entry that won for me is that I didn't think it was that great. You know, I thought, it, I thought the final line was terrible and I just submitted it. I'm like, that's terrible. I can't think of anything else that'll do. And so it was very surprising to have the result it did. This is given the previous two entries. So that was only my third attempt at that competition. The previous two didn't make the long list mm-hmm. or anything, but I liked them more.
0: Yeah, I've so, had the same experience. Yeah. It's, it's impossible to be your own critic. I've had stories that I loved and didn't get a, messi- a that's mention, right. and others that I felt like I kind of phoned it in or yeah. rushed th- through just to, to make sure I get it out. And those are the ones that ended up on the long list. Isn't that so. funny?
1: And so I think that's important to remember when you're ent- entering these competitions because, you know, you think, oh, I haven't done a very good job or it's not my best work or whatever, but you're just one person and you're not the judge. Yeah. And we are saying they're injecting their own meaning when they're reading it. If you just happen to like hook them with something Hmm. that is meaningful to them, then you're home free, you know. And from my experience of the screen um, entry was that one of the things that I thought was really risky, which was a lame joke that I left in, which was about the shift and control buttons on a keyboard. Mm -hmm. I left in the lame joke. I was, oh, God, I was agonising over that. Are they going to think it's funny? It's pretty lame. Like it's a risk. In the end it amused me and I left it. And that was something that the judges picked up on they mentioned it and they liked it. So again, like it's totally subjective and you don't know how things are going to be received. But I think if you're having fun, I think that comes through. Like obviously not every story is fun. Some stories are emotionally, you know, draining, but if you're engaged yourself, then there has to be an element of that that comes through. Even if you're not the world's best writer, if you're having fun, then you hope the judges will have fun too if it makes you cry, I think that's where the winning stories come from, you know, the ones where there's a connection.
0: So let's talk about what makes a good writing prompt. Mm. And I was just mentioning that um, for Furious Fiction one month there was a a visual prompt Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I seem to remember that you hated that.
1: I did. I despised it. I don't know that I hate all visual prompts. I don't know that I could make that blanket statement. Mm. And it is more than likely that I was just in a bad mood. You know me. <laughs> <laughs> I just wasn't having it that day. I think the specific image, um, it felt limiting. Mm. And you mentioned yourself that it took you a very long yeah. time to even think of what, what might be happening there. And
0: you knew the place as well? like you knew No, whether... I had to Google it. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, so um, it was an image of what I later discovered was a lock in Scotland, so a lake in Scotland with a red old-school phone booth, right beside it and nothing else pretty much. And I guess mm. the judges or whoever it was that selected that image saw that image and went, ooh, that's cool, yep. you know, that's a bit weird yep. and they ran with it. And I can see why they chose it for that reason because they felt it sparked something in them. But to me it all it sparked was that's a cool picture. It didn't yeah. spark like a backstory to me. But I, I guess I don't like any prompt where it's like the prompt is just speaking too loud mm. on its own already. You know, I like a prompt that I can bring myself to instead of having to make space for.
0: Does that make sense? Yeah. There's a Reddit subreddit called r slash writing prompts. Yes. And if you've ever been there, the writing prompts. Aren't they all terrible? They basically just say, here's the story. Yeah, right. They're not prompts. (laughs) They're like... Once there was a man a, and he was yeah. <laughs> yeah, they give you the entire story and then just say, right, is, they're is really it awful. Is it a joke or is it? No. No, it's legit. People
1: are into it. People
0: just like writing and showing their writing, I guess.
1: But this is the thing, I think, where I get triggered by some writing prompts, where I feel like the person who's chosen the prompts, so whether that's the judge or basically the competition host, right? It's like they're showing off. You know what I mean? It's like, oh. It's not about them. It's Yeah, it's not Mm. about you. You you are meant to be creating space for other people to be creative, not, I don't know, being look look how clever I am. Mm. You know, I've already written the opening sentence for you and it's really good. You know, no, let me write the opening sentence. So it's like an arrogance of it that I think I respond negatively to. And I'm not saying that that particular image had that about it. There certainly have been other prompts in other competitions where I've had that feeling. And certainly things like here's your opening line mm. really just smacks of that to me yeah. or here's your closing line. And that's not without exception. I'm sure there's some where that, that works well, but it is a bit of a red flag for me.
0: Yeah. So that's one class of prompts which are too limiting. They force you into a single common direction. like a funnel. <laughs> yeah. I think another one that, um, that strike me as bad prompts are the ones that just have a very specific connotation yeah. or they have I know exactly they force you into about. another. So one of them, it was actually from that same month, and okay. the word was uncouth. yes, oh, and that word <laughs> it's a word that you wouldn't use in no. writing. and maybe a, a certain kind of character would say that word. And there's also, there's been similar words. I believe just, another one, not quite as full on as uncouth,
1: but marvellous was one mar, for me.
0: Yeah, that may be actually, I might maybe mix it up because marvellous definitely was in that. that it was, um, yeah, yeah. I remember having to work that Well, there you go, double whammy. No wonder We're I was in a bad mood. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> no, you're right. I think those ones where you just feel like you have to shoehorn it in, it's like I can't naturally yeah. find a place for this word. It is going to be unnatural because I don't ever use this word uncouth. Um and, you know, okay, I can create a character who does. But it is limiting. Like there's not that many situations in mm-hmm. the world where that word naturally fits. And so what I much prefer, and if we're talking about what makes a good prompt, I would say any of those words that have more than one meaning. Yeah. You know, like we mentioned court earlier. Yeah. It could be many, many things. If you're, And that was to, not just a word that was, it must be set in or on a court. Mm. Um, You know, there's a judicial court, there's tennis court, there's all sorts of sporting courts. Um, you know, there's many ways you can approach that. And words like, so the screen, one of the words from memory was toast. Yep. And, you know, that's got a lot of different meanings too. And you can really lean into that. You know, is it a champagne toast? Or in my case, the character said, I'm toast. Or you could have obviously cooked bread you know there's yep. all sorts of ways that you can do that i think those are great prompts because toast is still like a really specific word and yet it can be specific in different ways if that makes sense yeah
0: you need like, to give the writer flexibility absolutely to write something great and yeah. something that surprises you like exactly as
1: the, yeah you don't yeah. want to be funneling everybody into one idea yeah. um, and i
0: think when you think about well what is the actual point of a writing prompt yes so one is to prove that you wrote it for yeah. the competition yep and the other is just to get people thinking and mm. to to generate a diverse set of ideas and a diverse set of entries. And kind so, of surprise everyone as to how diverse you can actually yeah. be. Just and from I would it. imagine as a organiser of a writing competition, you don't want to get thousands of the same story. You want to actually open that up and, and have people um, send you something unique.
1: And I'd be interested to talk to a judge or, you know, an, an organiser of a comp to know, have you learned over, the, over time, you know, what prompts result in good entries and what prompts don't? Does it make a difference, the types of prompts that you're using? Because it certainly makes a difference to me as a writer as to how I approach it, how enthusiastic I am.
0: Yeah. I, I have a definite experience where at least on two occasions I can think of I had a story that was halfway there in my head mm-hmm. and with two out of three prompts. Yeah. And then the third prompt just <laughs> kind of spoiled it for me. It yeah. just had a word that was, well, maybe I can work that in. I think one of them was emergency. Okay. And I had a, a, a story idea and then I thought, well, yeah, emergency, I can work it in, mm. but it's just not part of that it's story. Not natural. Like Doesn't there's no fit. emergency, you know, you could have it in an emergency ward or something mm. like that. But that is a shoehorn and it really turned me off actually writing that story because I just didn't see how I could make that work naturally.
1: I think basically what we're trying to say is, you know, the prompts should be promoting creativity, not curbing it. You know, don't box us in with things that are limiting, that are producing the same sorts of ideas, that are hard to shape differently, that come with a shape that we then have to work with I mean there's a challenge in that but I guess that's not the challenge I like maybe some people do of like oh wow you've made it really hard for me to make this work and now I'm going to roll with that challenge that's a perfectly valid way to approach a competition but it's not what I enjoy I enjoy just that spark of something that comes and then just rolling with it with your own unique take
0: and that is a skill in itself being able to write about whatever someone gives you Mm. Um, oh, for sure. And there's some challenge in that. But you want to see people's unique voice, their unique yes. experiences shine through in the writing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, another sort of style of prompt that I don't love but for a different reason is the type of prompt where it's like, okay, your story must start with a sentence containing I only five words. Yeah. Um, it's sort of meaningless, you know. Um, you know, there's it works, for example, when you say your story has to start with just three words mm-hmm. and that's a challenge and it's sort of just – can spark things but it's also really got nothing to do with
0: the outcome so i think the reason for that is it that just compromises the story yeah another occasion I, I do remember having a, a story idea and then thinking well this would be a great opener for this story and just not being able to use yeah it. and i'll say as well the first and the last sentence are, are important in the story they're, they they're are. much more important than many of the other sentences That's and right. you want to get that just right
1: Mm. So what I think we're basically saying here is that we hate every prompt. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just we just don't like being challenged. Like what's what's wrong with us? But, you know, I do love, for example, the, like we said, the word prompts where it, it does spark something, yeah. where it is open, where there can be more than one meaning, where you get to pick, you know, where it takes
0: you. Going back to the process that I was talking about, when you sit down with the prompts and you start listing out ideas, you want that list to kind of expand and allow itself to get bigger and bigger as you think of more and more things. You don't want to be able to, you don't want to start writing a list and then having to cut things and Mm. and make it smaller and smaller because you need to fit in these words or these scenarios that Mm. um, you wouldn't have come up with.
1: I should say another prompt that I like, and this is one that New York City Midnight uses, is an action that must occur Mm. within your story. And Furious Fiction's done that a few times as well, where A particular action has to occur and then it's up to you to sort of work that in. Now, again, that's – you've got to be careful not to box people in too much. Um, But, for example, I had um, tucking in a shirt was one of the ones that I got. And that's just a little – I don't know, a little something that you can sort I think of that's good because it, latch onto. It could it.
0: also be tucking in someone else's shirt, like and, you it, can, and it was in yeah. some
1: of the entries, you know. And, but it's specific enough, but also allows a lot of different stories, a mm. lot of context, and it can be just a throwaway thing. It gives
0: you the freedom to, if you don't have something specific for that, well, you can include it as yeah. an action without making it a, a focus, which is
1: what I did. You yeah. know, it occurred in my story; it occurred naturally. I used it to sort of show the awkwardness of the character, mm. you know, and and that was fun. Um, so I think an action prompt is a good one, yep. and then another thing that I think is a bit sort of unique to New York City Midnight is that they give you a genre as well, mm. and so that I mean that's
0: that's very restrictive. That's
1: very restrictive, and I found that very difficult in the first round where I got horror, yep. and I was horrified, um, <laughs> rightly so. And you know they have romance. I'm like I'm not a romance writer, and mm. sci-fi. Oh God, please don't give me sci-fi. You know because it's not my thing. Yeah, but It's challenging in a way that's kind of I found fun. I probably wouldn't want to do it all the time. I'm glad the final round is open because if I got something really, I think they had like historical fiction and things like this and it's they're very specific genres that come with their own whole strategy behind them that I'm not familiar with. It's a big challenge. Now, speaking of furious fiction, I'm very sad.
0: Are you sad? Moment of silence, I think.
1: Yes, moment of silence. Okay, that's enough. You know I don't like
0: silence. <laughs> <laughs> so we started getting together to write for Furious Fiction back, I think, in early 2021. Am I... It would have been, yeah. Yeah, it's been a couple of years.
1: Because we had a few rounds where I wasn't up to writing. You yep. were going for it and I wasn't, but we were still hanging out and brainstorming and so on. It wasn't until a few – few times you got long-listed that I got jealous and I had to join the party. And Um, then you won it. And then (laughs) I won it. (laughs) I didn't even get (laughs) long-listed on my third attempt. So Mm. then it became even a stronger competition and then it was a battle to the death. So that was fun. Um, But unfortunately the the death that has occurred or what I consider a death is the competition itself.
0: So Yeah, so last year they... Changed it from a monthly competition to a quarterly. Yes, which was disappointing. We mourned that. Yeah, and now it's back to a monthly, but it's no longer a competition. It's a challenge. It's a challenge.
1: No winners, no losers. Everyone gets a prize. It's very, you know, it's good for millennials, us millennials. (laughs) Everyone wants a prize. Um, but I'll be honest with you, I love Furious Fiction, and you know, it's been a wonderful thing for me. Obviously, you know, having won, and I'm a big fan. They're obviously very intelligent over there. But I don't know that I want a challenge. You I know, think the competition com- is a
0: huge motivator.
1: It is, yeah. And you know, I'm a competitive person. I guess mm. that's what appealed to me. I don't think the challenge appealed. I've got a book I should be writing. This is a procrastination exactly. tool. Like, you know, give me a reason to do it when I should actually be challenging myself on the thing I should be writing.
0: Yeah, even if there's no prize. Yes, but the there's a winner. That's the important thing.
1: Absolutely, and clearly, you know, it's become too much of a burden for them to. To judge and I can imagine it would be you know a hugely time-consuming task when that's not their core business you know they do writing courses and so on and that's their primary purpose so I understand but I, d- I don't know that I'm gonna be chiming in with with any entries at all to be honest I might be moving over to other types of comps what about you do you think you'll give it a go this round what are the prompts
0: so the prompts came out yesterday uh, as we we're recording this episode So the first one, your story must include a chair of some sort, which I think is reasonable. Yep, that's a good prompt. Nothing wrong with that one. Mm -hmm. Your story must also must include the words album, bright, and click. Mm -hmm. Your story must include a character who has made a choice between two things. Oh, 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 sorry, who has to make a choice? Right, sorry.
1: Those prompts are all good. they pass master, I feel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, did you think about them? Did
0: you? I did. I thought about them yesterday. So last night I was exhausted uh-huh. um, and so I wasn't going to do any writing. But I did think about them and click, bright, an album made me think about photography. Right. So okay. click, bright light, flashes mm-hmm. and a photo album. Mm-hmm. Um so again this is the kind of the the process where do you just take that first idea and mm. write or is everyone going to have that idea mm-hmm. and i don't know if they're that obvious that that someone would and then chair is the kind of thing well there could be a physical chair it could be a chairperson mm-hmm. of a meeting mm-hmm. and when i was going along those lines i was thinking of a a judge for mm-hmm. some reason mm-hmm. i mean a judge sits in a chair but that's not really um, mm. doesn't really have much to do, do with the, the situation. But, but I just they do make choices. That. <laughs> but that's right. They do make choices. So the, the scenario I had in my head to write a story about was a wedding photographer who messes things up so badly that they oh, go to court. The, amazing, to, love um, it. Yeah, so so that's the idea I had, and mm. maybe I'll follow through on it.
1: Yeah, well, I'd love to see if you yeah. do. Like, it's still, you know, it's hard to let go. I'm not going to enter because I've got my other comp that I'm focusing on this mm-hmm. weekend. But I did have a story idea for this as well, but I probably won't follow through and write it. So if you want to steal it, go nuts. But um, <laughs> I was talking to my mum about an experience she had where she went to the bank. Her credit card wasn't working. Mm-hmm. And my father had passed away at some time prior and it wasn't until she got to the bank and the poor person behind the counter looked very awkward, you know, checked something on their computer, looked horribly awkward, went out the back to speak to their manager, that it clicked for my mum, that it was because my father had died and she was using a credit card that was in his name and it turned out the solicitor had forwarded some paperwork and not let her know. And that was incredibly traumatic experience mm. for her, very upsetting. And it's just interesting to me how these little human interactions can be so deep you know you just go into yeah. the bank for something and next thing you know you're leaving in tears and um, that was quite some time ago now but I found that to be a compelling little vignette yeah. that would work in flash fiction
0: no, that's good I think with flash fiction like the the challenge and the key is coming up with these moments of mm. life mm-hmm. that are um, poignant, moving, poignant, yeah. moving, and evoke and that's all some it can sort of be. Emotion. You
1: can't really give a bunch of backstory yeah. and even much character. Sometimes, like it's, I think the ones that do well are people who can convey character very quickly. But all you have is a moment. You're really just reflecting a moment in time and hoping to sort of just extract something bigger from what might otherwise just be a brief moment in your day. And microfiction even more so. So flash fiction, I feel like, so this one's 500 words. I think you've got enough time to have a vignette to just fully explore, you know, an interaction between two people, for example. In microfiction, so the other comp that's 250 words, you barely even have time for that. It's almost like you've got to evoke the emotion without anything happening Mm -hmm. at all, just about, because there's just simply not enough words. You know, to explore anything in yeah. any depth whatsoever, it's all yeah, got it to be on that a surface.
0: Not well, not pre-packaged. It almost has to be something that um, that the reader brings with mm, them mm-hmm. that you can tap leverage into. Or tap into exactly. Yeah, for game. sure. All right, it's major announcement time. Yes. In light of the demise of furious fiction, so sad. We have decided to launch the not-quite-right prize for Flash Fiction.
1: Unfortunately, it means we won't be able to enter. So it's not really satisfying that part of it for us. it doesn't really
0: satisfy that itch, does it?
1: No, it doesn't. But we hope it will help satisfy the itch for the other furious fictioners, the ones like me who have that competitive streak and who can't function without it. (laughs) This will be a competition. There will be a winner.
0: And there will be a prize. There
1: will be a prize, that's right.
0: But we'll be bringing our own twist. Uh, So as well as writing prompts, we'll be giving you what are called anti-prompts.
1: This is the fun bit. uh,
0: Which we hope will encourage breaking of the rules in interesting and creative ways.
1: Mm -hmm. So those typical rules of writing that you've just had absolutely drilled into you from day one of, you know, embarking on this writer's journey, we're just going to have a little bit of fun. You get a little break from it. So there will be, I guess, one rule uh, in the comp that you'll be encouraged to break. Mm -hmm. And And there
0: will be regular writing prompts as well. Yeah. Uh, which we've just been talking about. That's right. So So hopefully they'll be good ones. (laughs) We'll put our money where our mouth is.
1: That's right. And I think what's important to note too here is that, as we'll be the judges of the competition, we'll be really open to that creative aspect. We don't want to be restrictive. So when we say anti-prompt, we don't mean for that to restrict you. We want you to have fun with it. That's what it's all about. So same goes for the prompts, you know, the regular prompts. We'd encourage you to just have fun with it.
0: So, the competition itself will be in July this year. And so, there's a bit of
1: time to yep. get yourself emotionally ready, <laughs> mentally prepared, That's right. game ready.
0: <laughs> uh, and there'll be more information following on the podcast and on our website. So, stay tuned. Uh, but you can register for updates right now. Just go to the website and we will send you the details as they develop. So,
1: it'll be Judge Blind. So we do encourage even our friends and family to enter, but certainly all people to enter this competition. You'll all have an equal fair chance of winning. We'd also love to really encourage some new writers. If writing something you've been thinking about, you know, you've got a story in you but you're just not sure, this is the perfect time. Mm. The competition will be free to enter. So have a go. See what happens. You never know. You might surprise yourself.
0: Each episode, Amanda and I take turns recommending each other books or movies that we may not have chosen for ourselves. It's a segment we call Get Wrecked. This time it was my turn and I recommended to you the 2019 movie Greener Grass. That's right. Which I sold as being kind of a light entertaining watch. But now I realise on rewatching that it was actually pretty harrowing <laughs> yeah. at times.
1: Yeah. When you say sold, I'm going to say uh, completely lied to me. <laughs> it's a bill of goods that uh, I was not bargaining for.
0: All right. To set the stage, it's set in uh, like an idyllic American suburban setting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has like an 80s vibe. Yeah. It's real like bright colours, garish sort of colours. and Yeah. Random like synth 80s synth sounds. Mm-hmm. And it also has this... Vaseline lens effect over a lot of the movie as Mm -hmm. well um and it has a Stepford Wives feel do
1: you know what else it has I think more than Stepford Wives Edward Scissorhands feel well yeah, it was yeah. more pastel in Edward Scissorhands rather than these garish colors but that community yeah yeah you know it's a b- bit off but it's kind of got that real facade yeah, of being right, right. this
0: kind of perfect world yeah and everyone drives around in these golf carts yeah the golf carts
1: were an issue for me but we'll get into that an issue <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into that later right. anyway go okay. on continue selling your bill of goods to everyone else <laughs> right before I completely come in and ruin it for you You did oversell it to me. I was expecting to laugh more than I did.
0: Uh, It was quite just odd. It's a weird movie. Just odd. It's It's probably one of the weirdest movies I've seen.
1: Yeah, what I I thought of it, right, was that it was really like a school project that just Mm -hmm. had a really high budget, (laughs) you know, really high production values. It's like some kid, you know when Rebecca Black released Friday and had like this film clip and everything because their parents had money? Yeah. It's like that, you know what I mean? And either like I would say college kids, right, like college Americans um, level where someone knows someone in Hollywood. It has access to all this equipment and amazing lighting and talent and they've just produced this
0: nonsense script that they've
1: written. Oh, <laughs> oh, they think they're super arty but actually it just doesn't make any sense.
0: Looks I think <laughs> I liked it much more than you. <laughs> <laughs> There were definitely moments like not all the jokes landed. No. And there were points which were a bit like, yeah, you know, maybe a bit cringe. Mm. But overall, and I think sometimes it, cringe was the like, expected reaction. Exactly. That was I to think elicit. they were
1: going for cringe, yeah. were they not? That's That seems to be a core like,
0: theme. Yeah, um, it was very awkward.
1: I'm just thinking of a scene where the couples are kissing. Mm hmm enthusiastically and there's Very these big strands of spit between them like yeah. if I'm not supposed to feel cringe I don't know what I'm supposed to feel in that situation <laughs> but look I'm not saying I hated it either I do think it's the kind of thing for me like a lot of comedies for me you know you need to maybe even watch it a couple of times mm-hmm. for it to sit with you like Anchor Man, for example is ridiculous yeah. right a little bit more put together, like it sort of hinged around more of a plot than this one did in my view. But the first time I saw Anchorman I thought this is just stupid, right? But now I think it's hilarious, Mm. you know, and I quote Anchorman all the time. So there is an element of that. I could see myself getting into it and if I was in the right frame of mind watching it with the right people, like having parts of it that stayed with me forever. And I did laugh. There were some funny bits. Yeah. (laughs) For example, this had a bit of a Zoolander vibe to me, but the kid is (laughs) – Angry with the mom or something, and calls her a school. She's <laughs> like, "Mom's a school. I'm mom. I'm full of clocks and classrooms." <laughs> and it was just completely stupid, but funny. And the dad's reaction—yeah—what I loved about it was how realistic it yeah. was. Like he just had had enough of this kid. He's just over it. But his response is, "If anyone's a school, it's Julian." <laughs> and I did find that funny. I did laugh out loud. So I'll give it that. Yeah. And there were some of those moments of, like, it, relatability of being a parent or, you know, living in the suburbs that were funny.
0: Yeah. And I think the humour is absurdist, but there is still this whole underlying thing of family, of raising kids, of living in the suburbs. Yes. And a lot of the relationships and a lot of the – there is this whole idea of one-upmanship mm-hmm. between the between the couples in the yes. movie. A lot of that is very real. Yes. But it, it's, it is taken to this absurdist place, like – Right at the start of the movie, and there's going to be spoilers here uh, as always, but right at the start spoilers of the movie. Spoilers or like trigger warnings? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Before even the credits, like the um, main character who is called Jill, um, she's with her friend Lisa at a soccer game watching her Their son, two sons. Their, their, yeah. their sons play. Mm-hmm. And Lisa says, "Oh, that's a nice baby." Yeah, Your she's baby like, I,
1: I, "I didn't realise you'd had a baby." Yeah, <laughs>
0: just these conversations. Yeah, and she she says, "Oh, do you want him?" Like as a gesture of her, it's a girl. Oh, sorry. <laughs> do you want her? Yes. Yeah, um, and she just gives away her baby, and that's a that's a plot point to the movie. Yeah, and um, and
1: it's just so unexpected, and they just handle it as if it's nothing. Like it, yeah. it's very much like. Treat it as if it's a completely normal thing to do. And Lisa accepts the baby.
0: Yeah. And you think it's going to be called out later when another friend says, I can't believe you gave your baby away to Lisa. You should have given her to me.
1: That's right. (laughs) Yeah. Another funny moment. So I guess, you know how they say like, you should never sort of have a dream sequence in writing. Mm. It's not not the dumb thing because it's a cheat's way out. Like I was begging for a dream sequel. I was begging for that someone to just go, no, that was a joke. That was silly. But no, no.
0: No, they just ran with it. They
1: just went with it. Um, They really went with it. And yeah, I mean, that was funny. And I guess that idea of this people pleasing thing is very relatable too uh, for women in the suburbs. So there's. Jill who's like the people pleaser and Lisa who's the real competitive mm-hmm. one and makes everything a competition and at one stage decides she's going to be pregnant too and shoves a soccer ball up a dress. <laughs> yeah. And everyone, and everyone just runs with, with it, that too. Um, and, and then, then she, she has she the a soccer ball she baby, has the baby. Calls it Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> Can't call it Wilson cuz that's Tom Hanks's baby. Yeah. Um so yeah, no, it's completely bizarre but a relatable concept. So some of those things landed with me and others just felt real cheap. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like it just felt like an in-joke that you Mm. weren't in on. There was a lot of that. So I didn't love that stuff. I didn't love the times when I felt like they laughed, you know, they'd amuse themselves but not anyone else.
0: Yeah. So for a comedy, there weren't jokes. Like there weren't really any jokes. There weren't one-liners or anything.
1: There was a couple but, yeah, that wasn't really hinging on It was just more –
0: ridiculous ideas yeah like it's jill's husband nick mm. who gets really into the pool water <laughs> <laughs> see that's funny <laughs> like, because people do get into their pool water in the suburbs and they like get becomes, excited about their pool and yeah, obsessed about the and he proud starts, of their ph levels or whatever and he hands and he hands his wife this bottle and he's just like drink this as she <laughs> drinks it and, yeah what is it it's pool water <laughs> And he starts getting into it to the point where he can only drink the pool water. He brings the pool water to the restaurant with him. um, And he just, he comes to the house. They later get divorced (laughs) just to swim in the pool and like to be in the pool.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I loved when they sort of take elements and really just went beyond, completely beyond. And I did find those components funny. I think it. I mean, okay, let's talk about the most absurd. I mean, mm. even more absurd than giving your baby away, even more absurd than people accepting that you'd given birth to a soccer ball and not yeah. questioning it, was when Julian, <laughs> the oh, son yes. Julian, uh, falls into the pool in a dramatic scene and turns into a dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's
0: the golden retriever all of a sudden. Yeah. And, you know, that at first that's like, oh, that's stupid. But, of course, the film just embraces that and yes. keeps going with it. And to the point where the father, like the whole first part of the movie, Julian is set up. So first of all, he can't play soccer. He's completely useless. He can't, he goes to um, martial arts. He's completely useless. He's terrible at the piano. He He's wets, himself all, he wets himself all the time. He wets himself all the time. She's always having to go to his class and yeah. deliver fresh undies yeah. and, and that kind of <laughs> thing. And he turns into a dog. And all of a sudden, his dad just like loves him, and this is quote: "Where, <laughs> where he's like, he's awesome now. <laughs> he's,
1: That's right. he
0: and into, Julian just got awesome. Julian
1: just got awesome. Yeah, his hearing's incredible now, <laughs> yeah, and yes. they're playing, you know, catch together or whatever, or fetch." Yeah. And, you know, it's replacing that whole, the real cliche of yeah. throwing ball, you know, around with your son in the backyard.
0: Yeah. There is something there like, you know, maybe dads actually just want a dog. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> no, that's it. And that stuff was like, that landed well. Um, another one that I think landed well was um, when the kid's watching TV and he's mm-hmm. watching a show called Kids
0: with Knives. Yeah, that was. It's
1: like, who let him watch Kids <laughs> with Knives? And he's just losing his mind and yeah. becoming hyper violent.
0: <laughs> Yeah, and just all the the kind of parental obsessions, like who's in rocket math and who got yeah. dropped out of rocket math. And it's just built built around all of these petty concerns about um one-upmanship, basically. That's it. Wasn't there a line like I was on the news too or something? Oh like? yeah. So yeah, towards the end. <laughs> Lisa is being interviewed by the newscaster at the end of all of the events. And so basically um, Jill's whole life spirals essentially because she is she can't say no and she's being That's generous. Right. She gives away her kids. Losing um, a marriage. Doesn't she only she, divorce her husband because her friends were like, You should get a divorce? Yeah, her friends were like, You should get a divorce, and I got a divorce, and now I'm happier. And so she just divorces her husband then and there. Um, someone moves into her house and yeah. she's <laughs> like, Are you sure it's your house? And like, Yes. And so she's got no house. She steals someone else's kid. That's Um, right. In the end, her friend Lisa is standing in front of her house being interviewed because they found, so the other whole plot line is around this bagger murderer Mm. and they found them uh, at uh, Jill's house. And so the whole point of Lisa recounting this story was she gets to say that she's on the news and then the newsreader says, I'm on the news. (laughs) That's right, it's the newsreader. (laughs) Yes. I mean, that was pretty good. I enjoyed that, um, uh, the scene was, sorry, was it her, it was her memorial mm. where they asked some other guy to speak, like her ex-boyfriend to That's speak. That's right. And he was there with his new girlfriend <laughs> and he spent the whole time saying, oh yeah, like We dated new, for like two we months. We dated for, we dated, it was, mo- <laughs> he, said, he said, we dated for two months, it was mostly evening stuff or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, what does that mean? And then, um, he spends the whole time saying, "How great oh, is it. if this, the same thing happened to my new girlfriend, I'd be really upset. <laughs> Well, that was a funny part of Poor Demise of this Cheryl
1: character, the, the yoga instructor, mm-hmm. that she was described as a yoga instructor, daughter and ex-girlfriend. Yeah. Like that's her identity. Yeah. So it's been summarised into those things. But I have to say, like who greenlighted this thing? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like come on. It's absolute utter nonsense and it doesn't – as a criticism, as much as mm. I'm saying these things made me laugh and they did and there were these moments throughout the movie and I'm sure if I watched it again and again – you'd get hooked on Mm. more of those sorts of moments. But it doesn't hang together well.
0: No, I I agree. The overall story, I didn't really like the whole bagger murderer storyline. No. It didn't really go anywhere meaningful.
1: It felt like just, you know, Saturday Night Live skits. Mm. And you know how some are just absolutely epically funny and, you know, you could quote them forever. And then sometimes they just don't land. Or sometimes they're doing the same joke and it's just not not right. It it was a lot of that. It was like watching a cobbled together mishmash of SNL skits where some were great and really clever and then just a bunch of other stuff that was an in-joke that you didn't get and I don't love that about the movie like apparently it was a short film first you know by the same people and they've expanded it out to a longer form and I don't know that that added any value I haven't seen the Mm -hmm. short version but it did feel like some of those more clever jokes could have been sort of you know, if you just sort of filtered it, you might end up with a better result.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. And I think overall the script could have used a lot more work. Um, But I think it had these high points that justify the cost of entry. And I don't know if they'll get another go at making a movie, but I think they can definitely. I think they got pretty good ratings,
1: which I didn't understand to be honest. Like people will bag like an Adam Sandler movie. Mm. Which I think is much because, more clever. This was different. This is a different movie. It's like different, it's and we do say that, don't we? Like mm. we'd always prefer it to exist mm. that someone's had a go at something, and we're not just producing the same old garbage over again. Yeah. But I do think there's some valid criticisms there too. That the writing just it yeah. needed more work, yeah. and it wasn't it it wasn't good enough on its own. It needed to, I guess, be run through the ringer a little bit more, and yeah. for some of those things to. To get chopped, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. When it was something that's just funny to them and not necessarily mm. landing well,
0: and I think they felt like because the first half of it was a series of skits, and I get the feeling that they needed or they felt like they needed some sort of arc and some sort of ending, mm. but none but of they that sort really, of artificially, yeah, yeah it created didn't really that. follow from the characters. But yeah, all that set aside, I definitely enjoyed it. Yeah,
1: um, I, I, you know, it wasn't a completely lost cause. I so the two women who. Wrote and directed it are also the two stars. Yep. So the two main characters, Jill and Lisa. It kind of though to me, it had a real teen boy energy to it. Mm-hmm. So it's the two women who've written it mm. and they're from some comedy group called the Upright Citizens Brigade, which I'm not familiar with or maybe I am and just don't know it. But it, yeah, this teen boy energy, which is what I would say Anchorman has and, yeah. you know, Billy Madison and all these other sorts of films – Anchorman, for example – Anchorman is kind of deep in its own way. You know, there's a lot of stuff on misogyny in that and, you know, narcissism and all sorts of things in that. And Billy Madison too, for example, like there's a lot of class stuff there. There's a lot of, you know, stuff about personal growth and, yes, it's complete nonsense but Mm. there is an actual story happening that you can hang your hat on kind of thing. Whereas this one was more just cobbled together, vignettes of – Funny observations about suburban living,
0: and yeah. maybe I appreciate that more than, than you because it didn't have a. It's not polished. It's it's very much a diamond yes, in the rough. That's it. So what did um, what
1: triggered you about the golf carts? What it said to me was, we didn't have the budget for cars. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. I know it's a joke. Like yeah. every single adult in this movie has braces. Yeah. So that's another little yeah. you know joke. And but yeah, the golf carts just felt really like. Just like an afterthought. Like, oh, do you know it would be funny if everyone drove a golf cart instead of, like, having a real reason for that to be the case. And, like, there was a lot of golf cart-related stuff, (laughs) you know. They're in them a lot. And I guess it just didn't land with me. It just Mm. felt very much like
0: that's all I could afford. Yeah, there wasn't really a a purpose for them. There were a lot of little jokes and little things in there that were – almost non-sequiturs like that one. Mm. And um, the whole thing about, are you wearing panties around your neck?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. That's, yeah, is that going to catch on, do you reckon?
0: Yeah. I, I don't know where that came from. It's kind of funny.
1: It's quite kind of <laughs> funny, but it's okay. Do you know what it is? Mm. There's this thing in comedy, right? And I'm not a comedian, mm. but there's this thing in comedy and it's called a hat on a hat. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't yeah. know if you're familiar yeah. with that. So the idea is that, it's like two separate funny things and if you put them together it sort of cancels it out it's not funny anymore and I think there was a lot of that going on in here like if you just for example the giving away of the baby is so absurd and the fact that that occurs just completely deadpan Mm. straight that's funny right but then when you've got the golf carts as well and then everyone's got braces and they're you know the part there's partner accidental partner swapping I Mm -hmm. should say and just all oh, it's too much and so yeah. you end up like cheapening yeah, the funny stuff yeah. yeah um so i think in that way there were some things that could have gone that would have actually made what was left behind funnier one thing i did really laugh out loud at though and you'd have to watch it to see this part but <laughs> they're impersonating the soccer ref like the, the, oh, yes. the ref makes a call like out <laughs> yeah. of bounds or yeah. something and then the, I think – is it the father it or was, one of them makes a really bad impersonation of him? It was just
0: him? an impersonation. There was nothing added to it. It was It, it was, was like just – That was out of bounds. That was out of
1: bounds. And then they would not get over it. Yeah. It was just hilarious <laughs> to them. I did love that. But, you know, like humour is always going to be subjective and I don't know if I would ever recommend this movie to anybody mm. um, like someone I know did but <laughs> – <laughs> I don't think I would sell it as like a really funny, lighthearted comedy Mm. either. Um, There's certain people I know who would probably love it and others who would, like Andy, for example, Um, I think he probably would be quite relieved that I
0: didn't make him watch this one with me. (laughs) (laughs) So normally it would be your turn to recommend a book or movie, Mm. but this time we're going to do something different.
1: That's right. This time we're going to leave it in the hands of one of our listeners. So our listener M has recommended to us to watch The Whale starring Brendan Fraser.
0: Right, so this is a recent movie, isn't it? From That's last right. Year. Yep. Okay, I've heard about this movie. I've, I I don't think... know what I've heard, but I've heard Yeah, I think
1: you'd be hard-pressed to have <laughs> yeah. not heard about it. It's an Oscar no nominee. Um he's an Oscar nominee. And no doubt I don't know what other categories, but um, it's one of those ones that's kind of like an in-the-bag kind of Oscar. <laughs> the one that people think, oh, yeah, that's going to get it for sure. I don't know if it will or won't. Um, we'll find out soon enough. I just saw the director, Darren
0: Aronofsky. Okay. Have you seen his other movies?
1: I, I don't typically follow directors, so okay. what what else is he um, known for? Mother. Have you seen Mother with
0: um, Katniss Everdeen? You know? Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, oh, God. Now Jennifer. Jennifer. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> no, I haven't. Okay. That's a movie that you would hate. <laughs> so, yeah, Pi, Requiem for a Dream, The Fountain. I haven't seen The Wrestler, but I've seen the other one. I have seen Requiem um, for a Dream. All right. So I think I know what I'm in for. Yeah, I yeah. think that's probably gives you a good and idea. I like, it. I like this director. He's good. So I'm pretty excited about this one. So fact, thanks, Em. This is probably a movie I'd recommend to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're just skipping straight to that. Mm. And if you want to follow along and watch The Whale, Uh, It's in cinemas. And that brings us to the end of another episode. And don't forget to go to our website, notquiterightpodcast.com, to register for updates to the Not Quite Right Prize for Flash Fiction, which is coming this July. Exciting. And until next time, right on. Right on. Thank you for listening to Not Quite Right. If you'd like to reach us via email or follow us on social media, you can find all the links on our website, notquiterightpodcast.com. That's W-R-I-T-E. And if you enjoyed the show, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcasting app. Something doesn't seem quite right. No, but
1: before we go, Mm -hmm. I want you to tell me more about this bombshell you dropped on me today. That You have a phobia of Vegemite. Go back to Romania, mate. (laughs) Do they have Vegemite? (laughs) they don't
0: have Vegemite anywhere (laughs) except here. Why do I live in the one country where this exists? It's exposure therapy. (laughs) It's, It's not working. No, so when I was a child, I remember once I tried Vegemite and I didn't like it. And, of course, my mum is Romanian Yeah, and she wouldn't have known, like, how much you put on or how you oh do it or whatever. Oh, no. I don't, so I don't know what I had but I didn't like it at the time. Oh, no. Was it – she Sharon didn't know it's me, meant to be a scraping. Probably not. Sharon oh. tells me that I would love it knowing the other foods I love. Like, I would love it. But It's um, umami. One so, of the umami foods. Yeah. <laughs> so there was that. I had it and I didn't like it. And then kids had it at school and I didn't like it. And then once, like, the neighbourhood bully – this is when I was no way no this is, this is my origin story when, <laughs> when I was I don't know I would say probably about 10 m- the neighborhood bully threw a Vegemite sandwich at me oh and it stuck to my back Aww. and I just had Vegemite all down my back yeah and that's probably why so anyway poor baby Eddie I haven't had Vegemite since then and I just can't I just can't like have it Get past it's that. not it's not like a thing where I can just like just move past it it I think it is a legit phobia. Like it's Yeah, So what at happens? Level, like what physically happens in your body when I, I can't. I just can't do it. I can't. So I it. have a veggie scroll not, right
1: now. Like if I put that near you, what would you do? I would leave. I would you would leave. Home.
0: Wow. I can't do it. I'm, I'm not going to do it. it to
1: you. No. And are you th- are you sweating that I'm even suggesting that I would bring it
0: towards you? Y- yes. <laughs> like it's. <laughs> It's not just a thing where I don't like it. It's an actual mental problem. Like it's a failure. <laughs> oh. So anyway, I've tried in the past, just being like I've mentioned before. Like mm. I've I've tried just getting drunk, and mm. then trying to eat some, mm. but I can't do it. You just can't. Um. And oh. I don't know. Maybe one day I'm going to convince myself to do it, but just the thought of it makes me sick. Right. Like makes me feel.
1: Yeah. That's that's intense. It's yeah, a lot it's to intense. overcome. So, okay. Well, I'll take care to respect mm, you on that. And um offer a trigger warning anytime I plan to invite yeah. <laughs> <Vegemite> your around you. <laughs>